Firstly, before I read, I hope you don't mind, Steve, <laughs> I'm going to give a little testament. Um, on Friday, the family attended a family funeral in Sirencester, Gloucester. It was my auntie. She was the youngest of um, four sisters, my mother being the second one. During the service, the vicar gave her a dress and she said very often she'd sat by the side of Margaret, my auntie, um, during um, the aged uh, dinners, luncheons. And Margaret had said to her, I'm not religious, you know. She said, but I pray to God every day. Now that's a faith. Isn't that a faith? And I've got every faith that my auntie is with the Lord because she did pray every day, although she said she wasn't religious. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> right, our reading for today is Jesus appears in to his disciples. <clears throat> On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Bless you. We'll pray for Ursula just as she comes to speak to us. Father, thank you for the, the words that you have given Ursula to speak to us this morning. Lord, I pray for her as she delivers them and for us as we hear them, that we will learn more of you and your love and your plan for us. Amen. Sorry, just get myself organised. <laughs> Hello again. 
today I'm going to talk about journeys. You might think that's an odd subject given the reading. It's not the most obvious topic to draw from the passage, is it? But journeys have been an integral part of our Christian experience ever since Jesus journeyed throughout Israel. And later in Acts, we read of the apostles' journeys, Paul's in particular, around the Mediterranean. Closer to home, there's the story of Brendan setting out in a boat without oars to go where the wind blew him. Not to be advised, I don't think. And then there's pilgrimage, enjoying a resurgence in recent years. There's the Two Saints Way that leads from Chester to Lichfield Cathedral. And the St. Cuthbert's Way from Melrose Abbey to Holy Isle. I'd love to be able to do that one one day. But today, I'd like to explore another type of journey. The journey Thomas made the journey he made within, a pilgrimage of the heart, as we trace the accounts of him in John's Gospel until we reach the final episode, and perhaps the most well-known that we read about earlier. The first time we hear Thomas speak is in John 11:16. Lazarus had died, and a message arrives from the two sisters. But there's a problem. Lazarus lives in Judea, And that's a place where there had already been an attempt on Jesus' life. And not unexpectedly, the disciples don't want to go back there. But not Thomas. As John tells us in verse 16, Then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, Let us go also, that we may die with him. Brave, courageous Thomas. I'll die for you, Jesus. He speaks again in John 14, verse 5, just after the passage where Peter denies knowing Jesus. Here, Jesus had just explained that he was going away to prepare a heavenly home for his followers and that one day they would join him there. Thomas' reaction was to say, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? a perplexed and perhaps a confused Thomas. The next reference to Thomas is notable because he's not there. He's not with the rest of the disciples when Jesus appears among them. And even though they and others tell him that Jesus has returned to life, he refuses to believe it. He wants evidence. He wants to see Jesus with his own eyes and feel and touch his scars with his fingers. Thomas is saying that if the conditions that he's set aren't met to touch the wounds of Jesus, then he won't believe. And I wonder what it was like for Thomas in that intervening week. The rest of the disciples knew Jesus was alive. They had seen him, talked with him. He'd breathed new life over them commissioned them. For a whole week, Thomas was left out. It's an awful feeling, isn't it, being left out? And I wonder, surely Thomas must have felt left out that week. And maybe he questioned, asking, what about me? Does God have a plan for my life? Is Jesus really alive? Will I meet him? 
Will he meet the conditions I've set? Will I be able to touch his scars? Because then I'll believe. But in Thomas's defense, although he doesn't believe the disciples, neither did the disciples first believe Mary when she told them she had seen the Lord. But then our passage tells us that after eight days, this time Thomas was with them. And Jesus came and stood amongst them and said, Peace be to you. And he said to Thomas, Reach here your finger. See my hands. Reach here your hand and put it in my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. So we've traced Thomas's journey from bravery and belief tinged perhaps with a blind faith, I'll die for you, Lord, from trying to understand, from confusion, to unbelief, to setting conditions for his faith. I know that I can identify with each of those examples over the years. But then finally, he comes to a place of acknowledgement and trust as he says, my Lord and my God. So as we've journeyed with Thomas, what can we draw from us for us today from his story? As we journey through life and through the smaller journeys that make up that whole life journey. Thomas's journey was shaped, as I suspect most of our journeys are, by belief and unbelief, by courage, by confusion, by trust, by faith by a whole mixed bag of emotions and events, some high, some low, some good, and some not so good. But what is it that's shaping my and our current journeys? In Mark 6, verse 7, as Jesus sends the disciples out on a journey, he tells them, take nothing except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belt. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. They were to travel light. Travel light, says our Lord. And we can draw on this as we travel on our journey of discipleship. Travel light. Shed the baggage we collect as we journey through life. The baggage that can accumulate from injustices and hurts, the baggage of poor habits or sin. Just as Thomas shed the baggage he had collected in those few days before he met the risen Jesus face to face, when he uttered perhaps one of the most meaningful phrases in all of history, words that I believe came from deep within his being, my Lord, and my God. Revelation 5 verse 6 describes the Lamb of God, Jesus, looking as if he'd been slain. The risen Christ, the Lamb of God, still bears the nail prints in his hands and his feet. His scars are a sign that Christ, who is risen from the dead, is the same person who suffered and was crucified. Scars that remain from his journey on earth. God, who bears the marks of suffering in his own body, 
is the God who is infinitely interested in each one of us. And it's because of his scars that we can also understand and have the pain healed that we accumulate as we journey through life. As Peter the Apostle tells us, by his wounds, you, we, have been healed. I once heard someone say that the scars Jesus bears are the only man-made things in heaven, an eternal sign of what he did for us at Calvary. Matt Redman writes in one of the songs we sing, our scars are a sign of his grace in our lives. Father, how you brought us through. When deep were the wounds and dark was the night, the promise of your love you proved. And the chorus continues, it is well with my soul. Despite everything, it is well with my soul. And you and I bear the scars of life's painful experiences. We can't help but experience ups and downs, joys and sorrows as we journey along life's road. And they may not all be scars that we can touch with our hands and see with our eyes, but we collect memories that shape our lives. Our Christian faith doesn't deny the pain or the reality of the wounds or the existence of scars or extinguish the memories, but rather our faith enables us to go on in the name of Christ to touch the lives of those who say in despair, as maybe Thomas did in that week before Jesus appeared again, you tell me God is alive, but where is he? And as people who have seen and experienced the healing scars of the risen Christ, we're invited to get involved and to bring God's healing and restoration, not only to each other, but also to the world. Thomas's final recorded words are supreme, aren't they? My Lord and my God. As he acknowledged, not only are you, Jesus, my friend, with whom I've journeyed these past three years, but you're my Lord and my God. Words that are full of delight and adoration, full of confession and repentance, full of grace and humility and said with fullness of heart before his saviour. And as I thought about those words during this past week, I've become more aware of how often as I journey, I come to a place, as Thomas did, when it seems that the Holy Spirit breaks through in a new or unexpected way, taking me deeper, exposing areas that still need to be laid at the foot of his cross. I've heard discipleship described as a journey into the heart of God's love. And I suppose it's inevitable, isn't it, that as we seek to draw near to God, to draw near to his heart, the broken bits, the sinful bits, the bit that needs the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit show up with greater clarity. But our loving Heavenly Father takes us at exactly the right pace along our journey, if we'll let him. He'll guide each of our steps if we keep close to him. 
I asked the question a few minutes ago, what is it that's shaping your journey, my journey? I've been asking myself that question this week. And of course, things come to mind as they do if we pray that prayer. If we say, show me, Lord. He takes us at our word, doesn't he? But I happened to bump into one of the local clergy last weekend and we chatted for just a few moments. And as I went on my way, he called after me, you need to deal with that. Oh dear. I hadn't expected a few moments of chit-chat to end like that. And of course he'd got it wrong, hadn't he? He didn't know me. But no, he hadn't got it wrong. It was me that had got it wrong. I'd been doing what Thomas had been doing that last week. I was saying to God, if you, then I. Trying to justify myself, happy to carry my sense of hurt. Instead of coming to my resurrected saviour and saying, my Lord and my God, your way, Lord, not mine. It's not always an easy or an instant journey, but peace and restoration comes, as it did for Thomas, when we can say, in this, Lord, I will trust you, my Lord and my God. History tells us that Thomas journeyed on. He travelled to India, where he led many thousands to faith in Christ, and churches he established are amongst the oldest in the world. I wonder, as he preached and led others to believe in his Lord and Saviour, did his words have added impact and depth because of the journey he made in the days before and after Jesus was crucified? I think they probably did. The Bible passage tells us that his journey led to a place where all he could do was utter, from deep within his being, my Lord and my God a journey which proved so life-changing it drove him onward to the uttermost ends of the earth to witness to his Lord. There's a newish song we sing sometimes. It's one of my favourites, so please indulge me. The chorus says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Saviour. We're talking about prayer at the moment, aren't we? And there's going to be more talk about prayer in the months to come. But let's pray this next week that our journeys will lead us to places and encounters where we will be changed and shaped by the presence of the Holy Spirit active in our lives. Where we will come, maybe for the first time, or maybe for the umpteenth time, to a place where we can do nothing but stand in the presence of our Saviour and say with Thomas, my Lord and my God. Amen.